0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. Uniting coaches at every level of the game, around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky.
1: I am Dean Linky. Delighted to be with you for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Got a great show today. Drew Roth is in his fourth season as the head coach of the Purdue women's soccer team. They are not part of this week's United Soccer Coaches rankings, but you know what? I think they should be. They've already beat Louisville. They've tied West Virginia, and they're doing it starting eight freshmen and two sophomores. I repeat, eight freshmen and two sophomores. Drew Roth, the head coach of the Purdue Women's Soccer Team. Sarah Dacey is the head coach of the Berry Women's Soccer Team, getting it done for the D2 women down in Florida. She will join me. And then Rob Kehoe, the director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches, will break down an interesting trend in men's college soccer Division One style. And he'll also pick the five best games, men's and women's Division One, to cap the show. Coming up, Drew Ruff, head coach, Purdue Women's Soccer Team.
0: Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job with team. Snap! It doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com/united.
1: Can you imagine going through a Big Ten season, starting eight freshmen and two sophomores, let alone a non-conference schedule that includes the likes of West Virginia, Louisville, and South Carolina getting ready for Big Ten play tonight against Michigan State, the Purdue Boilermakers, 5-1-1 one, and one on the season. They're outside of the top 25, not even getting any votes. They need to get them, particularly if they can start the Big Ten campaign with a win. They are led by Drew Roth, now in his fourth season as the head coach of the Boilermakers. So really? entrenched now, brought in a massive recruiting class. Eight freshmen, two sophomores, just one senior starting for Purdue tonight when they take on Michigan State. Roth led Illinois State to six Missouri Valley Conference regular season titles and five NCAA tournament appearances while serving as the ISU head coach from 2007 to 2014. He also spent two seasons at the head coach at the University of Indianapolis before moving on to Bloomington Normal to take on Illinois State. He's an Ann Arbor native and it was a four-year starting forward at Michigan State playing for Joe Baum, graduating in 1996. During his time at Michigan State, he actually played with Damon Rensing, and when his recruiting visit happened, it was Tom Saxton, now the head coach for the Michigan State women that he'll face tonight, that uh, picked him up and was part of his key visit. Of course, the Boilermakers reached the uh, 10-win mark for the first time since 2009, a year ago at 10-7-2, and And they were led, uh, of course, uh, by a phenomenal goal scorer in Maddie Williams and the 2000 campaign was the boiler might the 2000 campaign was the boilermakers finest of the decade and they're picking right up where they left off, albeit with a brand new team. With that, we welcome Drew Roth to the program. Drew, great to be with you.
2: Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having me, Dean.
1: Yeah, going to see a lot of you. have got the call for your game tonight against Michigan State, and we're going to be talking a lot about the fact, one, you're 5-1-1. One, one. You just heard me say that uh, you tied West Virginia, you beat Louisville. Your only loss is to Shelly Smith's South Carolina Gamecocks team, which, by the way, they make college cup visits all of the time, and you only lost by one goal to them. So United Soccer Coaches rankings, folks, get your notes out right now because Drew Roth is legit. I told you that a long time ago when we did the United Soccer coach's game of the week when he was at Illinois State. Five one and one coach with eight freshmen, two sophomores starting. I mean, it's mind boggling. You're now in your fourth year. You told us as we were getting ready for the Big Ten Network broadcast that you know you're fully entrenched, so you knew you needed this big class. But I mean, come on, coach. Eight freshmen, two sophomores, five, one and one, spill the beans.
2: Yeah, it's it's a unique situation. Um, definitely not how you would maybe draw it up, but uh, you know, this group is a is a class that we've uh, we've been waiting on uh, because we that the potential was there. Uh, but uh, what they've showed us is just how mature they are and how uh, willing they are to learn. And those are some things that uh, you hope is the case, but you don't really know until they show up. And, uh, you know, they've showed kind of a maturity beyond their years. And they've they've been a great group to work with. They've been embraced by the older players. And, uh, you know, obviously the talent level is there. So uh, we've been able to just kind of uh, you know, tell them how we play and kind of have a vision of how we play. And, and they've been able to step step up and, and perform at that level. So uh, pretty, f- this group, uh, very close-knit group, and uh, they're getting it done right now. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, deserve a lot of credit. Uh, our sophomores deserve a lot of credit because, you know, as much as we have eight starting freshmen, uh, I think uh, Sarah Clark, Kylie Haas, Katie, loose. Um, they're still, you know, those sophomores are still uh, are, are players, and uh, that's kind of helped the freshmen uh, have some people that they can lean on. Uh, they're only sophomores, but they're very experienced, and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's working. So it's it's exciting, and uh, every year is a different challenge. Eight freshmen is uh, probably more than you would want in the lineup, but uh, but they're talented, and uh, and uh, they're finding ways to to win games. So it's uh, it's been a fun ride so far, enjoyable.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this early ride, but let's talk about it more in the transition point because you're coming off uh, that last year's campaign, the finest of the decade for the Boilermakers, when you had senior Maddie Williams, she came back from that knee injury. You had ten, seven, and two, perhaps even more impressive, drew five, four, and two in a very good Big Ten women's soccer conference. So you'd think, All right, big time season, I got all I could out of Maddie Williams and I mean, did you really think five, one and one, because when you look at your schedule going into conference play, I mean, that's a pretty tough schedule, coach?
2: Yeah, it definitely is, and that's uh, you know, as, as I told uh, my assistant coaches, if uh, you would asked me you know uh, in June, if I would have taken five, one and one, the answer would be yes, just because uh, as you mentioned, tough schedule, great competition. And uh, so many unknowns. Uh, I knew these young players were talented, but uh, until you get them on campus, and get them working in preseason, it's very hard to exactly know ready uh, to step up and compete at this level. So, um, you know, very excited for the group uh, and, and excited for the season. But of course, as you mentioned, to replace a player like Maddie Williams with 14 goals uh, with with some players that haven't played at the collegiate level, uh, you know, there' were a lot of question marks. Um, fortunately, you know, it's it's come together, and uh, you know, they've they've performed uh you know a little beyond expectations and uh it's it's not one player you know last year with maddie uh she was obviously our finisher and uh, had a fantastic season and this year it's it's more by committee and uh you know uh it's a little bit more difficult maybe to try to you know game plan to stop us because there's multiple players that can that can do it but uh you know, Kylie Haas has obviously stepped up and filled that void, and with six goals in six games, her last six games, uh, you know, she's been a great surprise, as a goal scorer. Um, but she does a lot for us everywhere else on the field as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 one of those seasons where um, you're not quite sure, but uh, but yet, you know, I knew the culture of the program was really good, and I knew that these young players would come into a, you know a really uh, strong uh, group of players and and you know really good leadership. So I knew that they'd be uh, in good hands there, which I think is very important. And uh, they just hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, so far so good. And we're just excited to see what they can do the rest of the way.
1: We talked about this uh, on our Big Ten Network conference call as well. You know, in basketball, you can bring in like a Fab Five where guys kind of know each other. They play AAU. Even softball now, which is big time for women's sports. Uh, You know, they've got the trend of uh, kids that are playing club ball together. They come in a group of four or five. But you said this class, which uh, remind us the number of freshmen you have, it's from all over the country, right? I mean, it's it's everywhere.
2: They are. This class has eleven players in it, and they're from seven different states. So, you know, one of the things that we uh, when we came to Purdue uh, is just uh, really wanted to cast a wide net and and develop relationships with you know all of the top clubs around the country, and uh, you know that's a matter of uh, finding players that fit our style and our vision of how we want to play and. Um, you know, some great technical players from all over the country, and you know, places uh, Florida, California, Texas, uh, Maryland. Uh, you know, just uh, we're very fortunate that uh, you know Purdue's name recognition uh, is far-reaching. So I think uh, that kind of helped get a, get our foot in the door with with a lot of the uh, you know clubs around the country. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of finding players that that we feel are a fit and uh, you know have the technical ability and have the decision-making ability. And then, of course, just the right uh you know the right fit for our culture and what we're trying to build, so uh we really worked hard, and uh you know fortunately it's starting to pay off, but I gotta thank uh, my assistant coaches Jim Schneider and Katie Greenberg for all the work that they do, and they've been together uh, with me for about seven and eight years so we kind of know what we're looking for out on the trail, and uh, you know we we want to find those players that uh, are going to continue to get better and and have the right mindset. So it's a lot that goes into it, but uh, you know once they get to campus and perform like they are now, it's uh, it's very rewarding. So uh, it's uh, yeah, a very diverse group from all over, but uh, they've uh, they started to click, and um, you know the the common bond is just they they, they want to play at a level and they want to win so it's been uh, it's been fun to watch
1: well one of the things that was fun to watch is uh, what you did down at Illinois State where you were running off Missouri Valley Conference titles like crazy now while you were there you had one of these special players Rachel Tejada. I think she was a four-time Missouri Valley Player of the year and certainly that is uh, a way to win games right when you got a player at her level tell me one of these kids is at the has that kind of potential that is out there right now or maybe there's a couple of them coach
2: yeah well as I mentioned before you know one of our sophomores is uh, Kylie Haas and she's the type of kid that just has an engine that I've never seen um, you know I think uh, we, we, we do EPS numbers and we look at those and uh, every game she plays is it's just off the charts as far as how much ground she covers um, what she's been able to do in her sophomore year here is just uh you know kind of channel that a little bit and her her technical ability has uh, has cleaned up a little bit and she's with that and uh she's just a force out there she's an absolute uh you know winner she just uh gets on the end of crosses she's fearless uh she's quick she wins tackles in the midfield uh she's our number one uh you know target on on, on corners um this is a kid that just uh Uh, that will and has the ability and just never stops. So um, she's, she's a huge force for us. Uh, Another one of our sophomores is Sarah Clark and Sarah Clark plays in the uh, midfield for us. Uh, She uh, was a center back last year and we moved her up a little bit in the field. And uh, she's just a very technical player, makes the ball incredibly well, takes all our, all of our dead balls. And, uh, just has that uh, will to win that just is contagious. So, uh, like I said, those two sophomores are really leading the way. So as much as uh, we rely on these freshmen, obviously, in so many key roles, uh, I think it's very important that they do have some players that have uh, been around that uh, can kind of show them the way. So those are two uh, special players. And then you know, our goalkeepers, we have two uh, outstanding goalkeepers. Katie Lewis is a sophomore. Um, She started several games this year. And then Marissa Bova just stepped in as a freshman uh, these last couple games, and was a Big Ten freshman of the the uh, week for for um, uh, for freshmen. So you know we have I think uh, two of the you know better keepers uh, you know in the, in the conference, and you know two of the. Uh, you know, young young goalkeepers with tremendous potential. Um, so those are some players that they're really stand out. And, you know, last but not least, I'd say just uh, as, as far as freshman attacking types, a uh, player named Sydney Duarte, uh, kind of our number 10, uh, she plays an interesting role and uh, very dynamic. Uh, she defends, she gets forward, and uh, she's still... Learning how to uh, to do things at this level, um, and uh, that's what's exciting. Is just the upside is there, and uh, just just a hard worker. So uh, we think she has a really bright future. But uh, uh, and one more I'd like to mention as well is uh, Skyler Patrick and uh, Sky from Arkansas. You know, we've never uh, recruited a player from Arkansas, but we saw her play, and uh, she's just a, you know very tough, dynamic, uh, just tenacious player. And uh, she's our starting left back right now, and she's. Tremendous defensively, 1v1, and she also can get forward in the attack and do a lot of great things on the flank. Um, so those are some players that uh, really have played at a high level and uh, are, are big reasons for, for a strong start.
1: Well, we all know it's a part of the bond as well. It's not just about uh, winning games, but uh, you know, help uh, you know preparing these women for life. Uh, with that, uh, can you tell us what Rachel Tejada is doing now? I mean, she was so fantastic
2: yeah Rachel, she's actually uh involved in coaching and uh she was in the back in the st louis yeah uh for a while and uh she just took a coaching opportunity um, working with a club uh up in the uh Seattle area up northwest so um she's still involved with the game and um you know she she'll make an outstanding coach just because uh, you know she's one of the uh, most talented, but also one of the most intelligent players that I've coached, uh, just just understood the game, you know, at, at a high level. So, uh, you know, I hope she really continues to pursue that because I think she'll be fantastic at it. And, uh, you know, it's great to see, obviously, when your former players get involved. and coaching and teaching, um, you know, it's always exciting to see, and uh, if that's a route she chooses to continue, I'm sure she'll have a very bright future.
1: We first got to know Drew Roth during his time at Illinois State uh, when uh, he stepped up and was part of the the then-named NSCAA College Game of the Week. We went into Illinois State to see him play. Boston College I think was the game, Drew, if I remember correctly. Danielle Slayton, uh, who made some news the other day as part of a female broadcast of an MLS game, was with me there as well, and Certainly, you know with that, uh, you know the importance of being on the big stage and getting that media attention. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone for that game. Now you have it uh, pretty much every game with the Big Ten Network. Uh, talk about uh, that transition, if you can, going from Illinois State to Purdue and maybe even tell the story of how you decided. You know, I know you went to Michigan State. We're going to get to that since you're playing the Spartans tonight. But uh, talk about uh, when you knew the Purdue job opened up. What do you remember about that whole process of getting the job four years ago?
2: Yeah, well, you you know, I actually um uh, I lived in Indianapolis um, you know, early 2000s um and I started off uh coaching club and then I was at uh, University of Indianapolis for a couple of years. So, um that's kind of how I got my feet wet with in the college game and I always looked at Purdue as just you know, just just one of those places that had tremendous potential just because of, you know, the academics and everybody uh you know knew the reputation there and I knew the facilities were great so you know there's certain uh, places that uh, you know you visit or you see or hear about and in the back of your mind you kind of think wow you know that that place could really uh, you know be successful in women's soccer and so you know that's kind of what uh, sparked that years ago and then uh, when I was at Illinois State uh, you know I had a great run and uh, absolutely uh you know really really enjoyed my time there um but was just ready for uh the next challenge you know after eight years uh, we'd, we'd accomplished a lot and um was just looking for that next opportunity to to challenge myself and uh and when uh, the purdue job came available um it was, was something that immediately caught my attention uh being a 10 guy i grew up in ann arbor uh went to michigan state um you know i obviously uh have a lot of respect for all the Big Ten schools, and just uh, you know, know what that that brand means across the country. So, um, to coach in the Big Ten was uh, obviously something that. You know really uh couldn't pass up and uh, as I said I, I always thought Purdue was one of those places that uh, had tremendous potential outside so it was just a fit there and uh, you know they they contacted and got in touch with me, which I appreciated because it showed that they were doing their homework and and looking for some coaches that had had some success the NCAA tournament and uh, it's uh it's a great fit you know like I said I have some Indianapolis ties from Ann Arbor, which isn't too far away and uh you know obviously it's just the ability here to have the resources and uh to be successful to to bring in top notch uh student athletes is just uh yeah just uh something i couldn't pass up and uh, it's been it's been a fantastic journey so far and um it continues to get better i think uh, every year so it's uh yeah it's, it's been a really really nice uh, enjoyable ride here uh in west lafayette
1: well certainly the folks at purdue took notice that uh with illinois state in the ncaa tournament you took down louisville and south florida in back-to-back years i think louisville is not going to want to play you anymore drew no matter who you're coaching you've had some success uh, uh with louisville over the years what about uh, stephanie's son brady and daughter carmen what do they think of west lafayette pretty well adjusted now four years in
2: yeah yeah love it you know it's uh similar to, to Bloomington normal uh it's only a couple hours away and uh you know uh my wife from uh, Bethesda Maryland but she's adjusted well to the uh to the Midwest and uh just a great college town and as I mentioned I grew up in a college town so uh we're loving it just all the all the resources and all the things that are available to us here uh close to Chicago where uh, uh my wife's brother is up there in Chicago so uh very happy here and you know it's uh it's a great place to uh have a family and you know uh Really, uh, you know, uh, raise a family.
1: All right. Uh, Well, tonight on the Big Ten Network, it's uh, Michigan State, your alma mater coming into town, Tom Saxton, uh, which I love that story because it sounds like he was there when you first uh, visited uh, Michigan State uh, during the recruiting process. You played with Damon Rensing, the fine head coach of the men's soccer team, which is uber successful as well. Talk about what that means to play your alma mater and remind us uh, your first meeting with Tom Saxton, their head coach.
2: Yeah, well, you know, go back with Tom. Um, When I was on my recruiting visit to Michigan State, uh, I think it probably was about 1990, uh, you know, picked me up and uh, drove me around, uh, you know, took me where I needed to go. And uh, he was an assistant working for Joe. And uh, then he moved on to the women's program. But uh, that was my first contact with Tom. And he's always been a class guy, you know, uh, since the day we met and, uh, you know, just really – uh, him and Tammy, they're just great people and a great experiences at Michigan State. So, last year going up there to coach uh, against Michigan State, you know, with a Big Ten program, it was uh, you know a pretty special moment and have some family there and everything. And uh, and obviously, um, you know, it, uh, it's 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 challenging because uh, you always want your alma mater to win, but of course, uh, you know, certain days of the year when they play Purdue, that that's not the case. But uh, you know, aside from our match. Uh, Again, uh, coming up here, um, always, always wish the best for them and uh, and hope they do well. Um, You know, great, uh, great memories of those days, and uh, you know, it's probably part of the reason why I coach college soccer is because the experience that I had uh, in East Lansing.
1: And remind us uh, how you decided to say, you know, hey, I'm going to coach women at this level as opposed to men. How did that happen, Coach?
2: Yeah, just really, just coached club. You know, I just uh, got involved with women 's game uh, in Indianapolis, and um, you know caught on there and just really enjoyed working working with women I uh, just you know really felt like uh, the things that we were working on in training uh, it seems like they would really try to apply them and uh, you know I coached some boys teams and we'd work on a lot of things in training and uh, they just kind of resort to what they wanted to do so as a coach it was it was really rewarding to see um, you know the things we worked on kind of applied um, more consistently so I've definitely coached coach men and coached women and, you know, enjoyed both. But uh, just kind of went that path. And then when the uh, UND job opened up on the women's side, you know, I thought that was a really good opportunity. And uh, and that's how it kind of got started. But, uh, you know, just uh, I, I enjoyed coaching both. But uh, it's, it just seems like it's a good fit and uh, have uh, just taken, taken it from there. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's always, uh, you know, a great challenge to – a uh, coach at, at this level, and um, you know, we're just very fortunate to have uh, the type of players that are currently want to learn and get better, and uh, you know, just uh, the bonds that uh, you know our players have, and you know, alumni coming back this weekend for for some things uh, here on campus. Um, it's just it's just really incredible to coach in the women's game, and uh, you know, the level keeps getting better and better, and uh, just, there's a ton of uh, growth that can uh, continue will continue. So, uh, you know, just, just probably part of
1: it. All right. Well, we know uh, Stanford uh, won the national championship last year. We know UCLA is always there. We know the ACC schools are pretty competitive. Of course, Penn State won it just a few years ago uh, at Wakeman Soccer Park in Cary. Last question. Tell everybody uh, how you feel about Big Ten women's soccer right here, right now.
2: Well, I think it's extremely competitive. You know, I think uh, – there's some of those I saw percentages of the Big Ten conference and um, you know where we stack up against some of the other conferences but i think I think that uh you know it could be misleading. I think that uh some of our programs are really challenging themselves more uh, outside of the conference, which I think is fantastic. one of the reasons that we started off with a tough schedule this year and played some big teams is you know I think everybody's trying to you know, um, really kind of see where they're at and compare ourselves to the, to the rest of the the country and other, you know, power five schools. So I think the Big Ten is extremely strong right now. I think the level of coaching. Um, I think you know, there's not one game that's uh, you know a gimme for anybody, and that's that's you know what makes it exciting, challenging. Um, but great group of coaches. Obviously, you know, the universities in the Big Ten uh, really are second to none, and I think the level is going to continue to grow. And I think that. Uh, you know, hopefully we uh, do well uh, uh, RPI, and we get you know um, you know a good number of teams in, into the tournament. But uh, you know, there's uh, definitely uh, a feeling in the Big Ten that uh, we can compete with anybody. And uh, I think I think it's only going to get better over the next few years because uh, I know that our program is really working hard and recruiting and. Uh, I see some of our competitors. You know, you kind of pay attention, and uh, you know uh, that talent level is only getting better. So, uh, great, great conference to be a part of, and I think uh, the big will start to show its quality here uh, moving forward, and hopefully into the postseason.
1: All right, Drew, as we let you go, I already said it five one and one. You should be ranked. Uh, what would it mean in your fourth year to actually put Purdue in the NCAA tournament with such a young, young, young team?
2: Well, that'd be a that'd be a great accomplishment. Uh, you know considering where we're at uh, with our youth but uh, that's certainly a, a goal that we have out there and um, you know if you're if you're good enough and it, then you're old you're old enough you know so, uh, we, that's something that uh, would be fantastic in this year um, but uh, we we definitely feel like the future is bright so uh, we feel like the next two or three years obviously with uh, the experience the players are getting it's only going to get better so we're certainly going for it this year and uh, you know we think we have a very legitimate chance but uh we also know that uh you know the next couple years uh the future is really bright so uh, lots of good things in store and if we can get it this year that would uh you know maybe be a little ahead of the schedule but um, you know this uh this group has a lot of good soccer in them so uh, we don't don't know that we can't do it uh, yet, so we're going to we're gonna give it our best.
1: All right, Drew, I look forward to talking to you tonight at halftime uh, as part of our broadcast along with Jackie Manny, the former Illinois star, 8 o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network, Purdue hosting Michigan State. You can watch that game. You can watch Drew Roth in action, and he'll talk to Jackie and I at halftime. Looking forward to that, Drew. Thanks for being with us uh, on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
2: Thanks so much, Dean.
1: Barry University women's soccer team number no. ten in the recent release United Soccer Coaches Division Two women's rankings. Their head coach Sarah Dacey three fantastic seasons already for Barry. Speaking of three, she won three national championships as a player for Anson Dorrance at North Carolina, and she played for the original Carolina Courage. Sarah Dacey's next. This is Dean Linke with a special message from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation has opened up applications for their annual grants and scholarships. Grants and scholarships are available for convention registrations, advanced education diplomas, or for the opportunity to host a United Soccer Coaches educational course at your facility for your coaches and your community. To apply or to find out more, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate or contact development officer Amanda Mitchell. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation wishes everyone luck with their application. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Drew Roth getting it done at Purdue. 5-1-1 one and one, starting eight freshmen and two sophomores. They play Michigan State tonight at 8 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. I'll have that call. Look forward to seeing how his team does. They've already beat Louisville. They tied West Virginia. They only lost this season to South Carolina. One of the things we love doing uh, every week as well is uh, looking at D2, D3. Of course, last week we t- took a look at uh, junior college men this week, the focus on women and Barry University. The Buccaneers are number 10 in the recently released United Soccer Coaches D2 women's rankings, and they are led by Sarah Dacey, now in her third season. She came into this uh, year uh, after spending some time at Babson as well with an impressive 70, 37, and 31 record. In 2017, she guided the Buccaneers to a 9, 3, and 2 overall record. We talked about those five great years at Babson. And one of the other things is she's a phenomenal player. She played for Anson Dorrance, who was on this show just a couple weeks ago, where she won three national championships for the Tar Heels. She only lost three games, by the way, when she was in Chapel Hill. Just amazing success for Coach Dorrance. And as I told you earlier, she actually played for the Carolina Courage, the original Carolina Courage that ironically played that first season at Fetzer Field, her home in Chapel Hill. There it is, the head coach of the Berry University women's soccer team number 10 in the country Sarah Dacey joins me now Sarah thanks for being with us
3: thanks Dean
1: thanks for having me yeah uh, we love it Sarah and uh, obviously I love your ties to the UNC women's soccer team but let's talk a little bit about your path first to just getting to UNC you're from outside of Boston we understand you're a big Patriots fan as well sorry about last year's Super Bowl um, That's okay. yeah and just talk about uh, your decision you know you're growing up there and then how you ended up in UNC yeah
3: so um, you know, it wasn't initially on my radar when I was, uh, you know, growing up in Massachusetts. But I happened to play on the regional team with a couple of um, older girls who were actually freshmen at Carolina, Danielle Egan and Rosalind Santana, and they were from New York. And um, you know, they just kept telling me how great Chapel Hill was, and how great Anson was, and how great the team was. And so I was very fortunate that Anson got a chance to see me play when. I was playing with them on the regional team, and then from there, it was, um, you know, one of my official visit and fell in love right away and knew that was the place for me, so that's how it worked out.
1: Okay, and the years you were at uh, Chapel Hill, what years did you win your natties? Uh, <laughs> 93,
3: 94, and 96. So we wow. lost in 1995.
1: Okay. That's pretty impressive. Of course, in 91, Anson was the head coach for the U.S. women when they won the World Cup. And then, of course, in 94, the Men's World Cup was going on. That's a pretty good time to be playing college soccer at a high level, right? Soccer was uh, pretty outstanding during that time.
3: Yeah, it was a great time. I thought, you know... We were obviously very competitive. I played with some amazing players, you know, like Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, Tisha Venturini, um, Cindy Parlow, just some of the greats who played um, on the national team at the time. So, you know, '99 World Cup. Um, there's probably eight of my teammates on that team, uh, you know, winning that winning that World Cup back then. So, um, yeah, it was an exciting time. I, I loved it. I, I learned a lot, and it was um, it was awesome.
1: So. Boy, those were some big-time players. So where amongst those players, where did you play? What was your position, Sarah?
3: You know, I, I, I kind of was a little bit versatile and, um, you know, anything to play. So I played uh, outside midfield for two years. I played forward for a year and then um, found my home my senior year at, at, at uh, holding midfield. So that was kind of, you know, my, my true position. But, You know, at that time, obviously it was so competitive that it was just, hey, you know, I want to start and I want to play. So, anywhere you can put me works for me. So,
1: well, and it's clear that you kept playing because several years later, with the start of the WSA, you made that original roster with the Carolina Courage, coached by a former Tar Heel, Marsha McDermott. So, what happened Mm -hmm. after you left UNC?
3: You know, I knew in college that I wanted to coach. I think that was, you know, a passion of mine, and so I was very fortunate um you know to get my first head coaching job at boston college um and allison foley who's the head coach there now still has um gave me my first job out of college so we're still really really close and then you know i was fortunate enough to kind of bounce around at some d1s as an assistant and still young enough to jump into training and play and then um, you know when the WSA rolled around I knew I still wanted to you know still had something to prove and wanted to to give it a shot and play and was fortunate enough to play for two years in that first league which you know was uh, super competitive and some of you know some of the best players in the world um, at that time. So I, I really enjoyed my time. Obviously, it was great to go back to Chapel Hill and play under Marsha, and um, really enjoyed that time in my life. So,
1: and where did you play the second year?
3: I played for the Boston Breakers, so I was back home, my hometown, which was awesome. You know, so my whole family. You know, we would roll like 35, 40 deep at the games, and um, that was, you know, that was a really, really fun time. It's just great to be back in Boston and playing for a professional team with the city that you know, really cares about their professional sports. So that was an exciting time as well.
1: Okay. So then, uh, finally, when did the BAPS and when did the opportunity to become a head coach? How did all that happen?
3: Yeah. You know, I, um, after I played, uh, for the breakers, you know, I, I decided to kind of, you know, it's time to move on and focus on my coaching career. And, um, I just had a two year stint at a local private school, um, just, you know, coaching soccer and lacrosse, and I wasn't involved in college coaching, but I wanted to get back into college coaching, and, you know, the Babson job opened up, and it was a great opportunity, obviously, again, very close to my hometown, Um, and I was just very fortunate to to be able to get the job at the time, and, you know, with my resume, obviously, my playing experience and, and my coaching experience, I just was fortunate to get the job and, you know, was there for five years and really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, from there, kind of moved on to division one and, um, you know, my path took me to Barry. So here we are.
1: All right. Yeah. Okay. So you went uh, from Babson, I- explain that. So division one, you're talking about like assistant yeah, coaching jobs so, um, or yeah.
3: Yeah. So, at, so after Babson, you know, I was always in touch with Allison Foley at BC and um, I just felt that that time of my career, you know, I wanted to to just be a better coach, and I, I didn't feel like I was growing as much as I, I needed to, and I, I needed that mentorship um, to get you know and get back in the Division One ranks to kind of uh, better myself as a coach. And so, Allison again fully gave me the opportunity to join them at BC in 2010, and uh, they had a phenomenal team that year. Christy Mewis was you know a sophomore, and obviously she's playing in the in the league now, you know, stint on the national team as well, and. Um, we actually ended up going to the Final Four that year, so that was a very exciting time being at BC, you know, being back in the ACC, um, you know, playing, you know, coaching at a, at a competitive high level. So that was a really exciting time for me.
1: So the Barry job opens up. What do you remember about uh, the recruitment of Sarah Dacey to become their head coach?
3: Well, you know, it was interesting. I was uh, in Miami, living in Miami, and um, obviously i have been a little bit out of college coaching. I went into club for a few years and, and did the whole club scene and then um, obviously really missed coaching at the college level. And so I volunteered actually for a year at Barry um, just to, you know, get back in the game and, um, and be associated with, with coaching at that level. And just fortunately happened that um, their head coach ended up leaving and taking another position and the job was open and because i had been an assistant there um you know the girls the current girls on the team at that time had pushed for me to to get the job and so um, again always feel very fortunate that these things worked out and that you know the current team wanted me to be their head coach and um so i just fortunately got the position and absolutely loving it and You know, we have a really great team. We've had a great team for the past few years. So it's just been really enjoyable. I love my love my kids. They work really hard. So um, it's just been a great, great experience so far.
1: You mentioned some of those players you played with. You played under Anson Dorrance. You know, Ange Kelly's a pretty successful coach. Is there is there anybody that uh, you lean on for guidance ever? Do you still keep in touch with Anson or do you call those former players that are coaching right now? Uh, Who do you lean on when you need a little bit of support?
3: Yeah, we um we all keep in touch, and obviously Anson is the best. I mean, he'll he'll ta- he'll you know text you right back, or email you right back, or call you right back. Um, you know, whenever whenever you need advice, we actually just had our alumni weekend uh, two or three weekends ago, and it was amazing. It was uh, you know, Ange was there, Tish was there, Christine Lilly was there. You know, kind of all the big time players were there from my era. And, yeah, we all talk and we see each other on the road. And Tiff uh, Roberts is another one of my really good friends who um, is head coach at UCF. So, um, yeah, I mean, we all talk and, and you know, talk about the, the joy and the challenges of, of coaching in college and um, you know the, the highest the highest the lowest the lowest so um, yeah we all we all keep in touch and, and share you know share our experiences
1: so well now that you're having success at Berry and you mentioned you know Tiff Roberts and some of those other now that uh, I remember now actually seeing those pictures on, on Facebook because I'm friends with you know yeah. Sue Ellis and Ann's everybody else and, and, and you're, you're, I remember you standing out with that blonde hair as well in those pictures <laughs> in downtown Chapel yeah. Hill uh, I mean what is your goal are you would you like to get to the D1 level so you can take on Tiff Roberts and Ange Kelly and and maybe even Anson Dorrance?
3: You know, I don't know. I don't know that that's the goal. I think um, I'm really enjoying this level. I really enjoy being a Barry, um, living in Miami. I mean, obviously – you know, as coaches, we look at all the opportunities that come up and, um, you know, it would have to be a great fit, I think, to move on. So, um, you know, right now I'm just trying to focus on this season and, and, you know, possibly win a national championship. That's always the goal, you know, and, and, um, and get through this year and then kind of reassess and, and see what, what opportunities come um, in the future. So,
1: well, one of the things that we find interesting, particularly since this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast, formerly the NSCA podcast, is uh, over on the men's side for Barry, Steve McCrath. His dad, Cliff McCrath, is a legend. He's won every award possible. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. I mean, he's an icon. And Steve's got that big personality as well, just like his dad. I got to believe at some point he's said to you, hey, uh, are you getting everything you need from United Soccer Coaches? He's always pushing uh, United Soccer Coaches, right?
3: Oh, he is, yeah. Steve's a huge advocate. Um, you know, he's been great with me. He's, you know, obviously his dad and, 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 you know, the legacy they have is is really great. And, yeah, he's super involved. He's always emailing, you know, um, the men's side of, of, our, of our conference and the women's side to get, you know, fresh ideas and to push, you know, new things and uh, to make sure we're all paying attention. So, yeah, he's definitely been great with that.
1: All right, Sarah Dacey, if you could pick... Uh uh, you know your three best memories either as a player or a coach so far what would they be
3: oh that's a good question um, I would say obviously as a player winning winning national championships those are always great memories especially my senior year after we um, had lost the year prior so that was a special one um, you know when I was at BC I uh, hate to bring this up and sorry Anson we actually beat Carolina <laughs> <laughs> Um which was really cool, which was a really cool experience. Um, So that was, you know, a memory that, um, you know obviously to, to beat your former head coach uh, was sure. kind of a big deal at the time and then um, you know I'm, honestly I'm, I'm really enjoying my time right now with my with my players in this group so I'm just enjoying how the season's going so far and, and see how far we can take it
1: Alright Sarah Dacey impressed that you are number 10 and uh, I just actually got lucky that you had that Chapel Hill connection which uh, a lot of people say that I talked to too many Chapel Hillians but I can't help it you know <laughs> you guys were really good so Sarah Dacey yeah. number 10 in the country good luck go and uh, win that national championship we'll be following D2 and here's the deal though with this show every year we do interview the national championship coaches so I'll have to talk to you one more time I hope that's okay
3: uh, that would be great Dean that would be awesome I appreciate you having me
1: alright Sarah Dacey coming up next Rob Kehoe director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches stay with us
0: United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.
1: Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Drew Roth, the head coach of the Purdue women's soccer team. and just four seasons, he has Purdue ready, I think, to be a part of United Soccer Coaches rankings. They probably should be there. They beat Louisville. They tied West Virginia. They've only got one loss on the season, and that's to South Carolina. We'll see how they do tonight against Michigan State. I also want to thank Sarah Dacey, the former Tar Heels, the head coach at Berry University. She's got the Berry women at number 10 in the D2 United Soccer Coaches rankings. And as promised, Rob Kehoe, a regular on the program, director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches, joins me now. Rob, always good to be with you.
4: Thanks, Dean. Good to be with you as well.
1: All right, Rob, uh, there's a pretty big difference right now, particularly when you look at at the Division One men's rankings, break down what that difference is, please.
4: Well, in the Division One men's rankings, and when you say difference, uh, contrast to the Division One women's rankings, uh, you see 13 teams in Division One men's top 25 that are not in the BCS conferences. The BCS conferences being the Big Ten, the Atlantic Coast the Big 12, the Southeastern Conference, and the Pac-12. And so on the men's side, only two and a half of those conferences sponsor men's soccer, that being the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC. And not all of the schools in those conferences play men's soccer. So on the women's side, we have 334 Division I women's teams, and on the men's side at Division I, we have 205. So we see... 13 teams in the Division I men's top 25 rankings this week, and this is not uncommon, uh, that are outside those BCS conferences, teams like Denver, Fordham, Villanova, UNC Wilmington, UMass Lowell, UC Davis, Portland, Coastal Carolina, San Francisco Air Force, Vermont, and Freight. Creighton is typically in the top 25. Denver's been there in the last number of years. But the others, they somewhat fluctuate. And, again, you see these teams, they have good years, and, and they're getting ranked, and they're having very good performances that are earning them their rankings. On the women's side, we have four teams outside the BCS that are in the top 25. Georgetown, which is routinely in the top 25, and they're in the top 10. South Florida. There's always a strong side. And then Butler and Princeton are the four outside of the BCS conference that are in the women's top 25. So those are some of the reasons that we see some of the significant differences.
1: All right, Rob, my favorite part uh, having you on is uh, the Rob Kehoe Learjet uh, as you break down the big games over the weekend. Five best games to be at Division One men and women. You go now.
4: Well, certainly for the fans of college soccer, these would be my picks. Uh On the West Coast, you have Santa Clara that really opens up their season with a very, very strong schedule before they start their WCC conference play, and they go at Stanford this week, and Santa Clara's at number seven, Stanford at number one, Uh, so they'll be competing in the Bay Area this week. Florida State, that's number two in the national rankings. They will host UNC. Uh, The Tar Heels had a tough weekend. They went out and played Santa Clara and Stanford last week on the West Coast. Lost both of those games, but always strong. They're at 5-2 and 1, and they'll go to Florida State. Auburn and Mississippi State in opening the SEC play. That's a combination of 14 wins, zero losses, zero ties. Both of them are at 7-0-0. Mississippi State will go to Auburn for that game. Georgetown at number 10 will play Princeton, number 25. And then a game that will be right here in the neighborhood where I'm at, uh, in Wisconsin, Wisconsin is number 25 at 6-1-0, and Northwestern will come up the interstate from Evanston, Illinois, and they're at six oh and one number 12 in the national rankings, and they'll come to Madison to play the Badgers. So those are my five top picks for the Division One women.
1: All right, let's do the men.
4: From the men's side, you've got one of the all-time classic rivalries you've got unc duke playing on the men's side unc is number three duke number ten and they'll play in chapel hill on the west coast up in the northwest corridor we've got washington going to portland portland's at four oh and one washington at five one and oh portland's in the top 25 washington's at number 15. then you have this one I'm looking forward to seeing because this will be somewhat of a measurement of what we're talking about and the differences of men and women at Division One and teams that show up. UMass Lowell, that just recently became a Division One men's program in the last couple of years, they're going out to the... Land of the Cardinal, and they're playing Stanford, and so we'll see how that works out for UMass Lowell in terms of playing against the three-time repeating national champion Stanford. And then you have uh, Notre Dame going to Virginia, and Virginia's at 19, Notre Dame's at eight. Notre Dame just had a tough loss uh, at home to Indiana. Uh, last night actually and they'll go to Virginia to open up ACC play and then one game that I'm actually going to be at and I don't even have to take the Learjet; I'm driving to it in Madison that will be uh, Wisconsin hosting number two IU and IU again had the big win last night at Notre Dame and so those are my top five on the division one
1: men's side all right. Well, hopefully we'll see you in the crowd. I'm calling that Wisconsin-Indiana game, and uh, it'd be good to get your Learjet some rest anyway, so I'm glad you can just make that drive up there, Rob. So, uh, listen, I uh, love this segment. Uh, we'll be back with you in a few weeks. Thanks uh, for all you do for United Soccer Coaches.
4: Okay, Dean. Exciting weekend for college soccer. Hope the fans get out to watch the games and enjoy your calls.
1: I want to thank Rob Kehoe, as well as Drew Roth, the head coach of the Purdue women's soccer team, Sarah Dacey, the head coach of the Barry University women's soccer team. I also want to thank Mike Knipper, Sean and Chevrolet and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. We'll be back here same time, same channel next week for another edition of our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. This is Dean Linky with a special message from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation has opened up applications for their annual grants and scholarships. Grants and scholarships are available for convention registrations, advanced education diplomas, or for the opportunity to host a United Soccer Coaches educational course at your facility for your coaches and your community. To apply or to find out more, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate or contact development officer Amanda Mitchell. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation wishes everyone luck with their application.